my name's Tamson. My pronouns are she and her. Um, it's lovely to see you um, in this wonderful, cold, warm day. Um, yeah, it's good to be here. We are going to quickly click something or not. Um, we are, I'm just going to start with a question that we'll sort of hold in our midst as we kind of go through and hopefully we flesh it out as we go along. But sort of the question is, uh, what have you been graced by today? What have you been graced by or gifted by today? We're on the tail end of a series exploring um, a framework of Christian ethics and kind of community ethics, um, how we might understand our common life together, what leads us into a community of interdependence and gift-giving um, rather than a community of coercion and control, um, and sort of what's at the heart of that, of how we do life together. Um, last week... Oh, it's all there. <laughs> um, last week, if you're here, uh, Rod shared a bit about humility and kind of grace needed to do community. Um, but we've been working with this really nice framework um, as we look at uh, humility, hospitality and gratitude. Kind of this, this core basis that I'm someone in need of others. I'm, I'm not everything in and of myself, but there is a need of something other than me, um, that others are in need of what I have, kind of this hospitality, and that we give of what we have, um, but that we're both dependent on each other's gift. There's a flow of gift and receipt of that gift, um, and in that space is gratitude, or this recognition of what I have to give and the recognition that I can receive it from others. Um, and... We're heading into this space of gratitude um, or thanksgiving. I feel like there's like old sermons of old of like, how can we be grateful and thankful today um, coming to haunt me behind me? Um, but kind of this recognition of gifts given without being earned or with any expectation of return. Um, and this... Uh, I've kind of needed some help when it sort of comes to this idea of gratitude. Um, maybe that's my, my token of humility in that I've got a bit of gratitude baggage, um, perhaps a little bit of a Christian gratitude hangover. Um, and uh, I heard the quote of just, the church sometimes holds us hostage to the gratitude of God in that we're all meant to be grateful to God because God has given good gifts, so we should all be grateful Amen, that's my sermon today. <laughs> Let's all go. But, um, and that worship is us showing our thankfulness to God and that God kind of needs it for whatever reason. God is in deep need of my thanks. Um, so I better show it to him or else I don't know what. But I should be showing thanks to God for all these gifts. Um, and that word should is a real catch in what I sort of want us to just have a little think about today. Um, but somehow... I don't know, again, some of this theology was sort of imbued but not spoken about directly, but we're indebted to God rather than freed by God. And God needs our show of thanks. Uh, the only permissible response to God is to show joy and gratitude through songs. Um, and that was kind of worship that we, we need to show God. Sometimes it's authentic. Sometimes gratitude springs forth truly. 
I'm truly grateful to the divine love that sometimes happens. But sort of t- someone telling you to be grateful to the divine love, that's another thing altogether. So gra- gratitude sort of lives in a little bit more of a subversive place, I feel. Um, and gratitude gets even more toxic sometimes when we think about it. Um, <clears throat> especially when it's not a free, autonomous response to the good around you, but it's sort of that obligation or those power dynamics that really enslave people in unjust circumstances. You should be grateful with, this, with, the, with what you have um, and not complain, not fight for more. There should be some sort of acceptance, maybe, that gratitude's tied up to an acceptance of a lot that you have and gratitude is just sort of part of this unjust system of injustice and gifts that are not balanced out across the world. Um, And somehow gratitude, we all just must be grateful for the the bit that we have. Um, And that can lead into really big systems of indebtitude and debt, actual debt. Anyone here have any actual debt? (laughs) That we live... (laughs) A little tear falls down little cheeks. Um, But that we're living not in sort of, oh, I'm so grateful for the bank for giving me this money, you know, but I'm just, I'm tied into debt that's tying me down for for as long and I, that is sort of this kind of actual indebtedness. Um, But yes, a gratitude can get toxic when systems of power and control, where gratitude is not a free thing and it's not um, autonomous, but it's kind of coercive and it's repaying a debt. Um, It gets something... Nothing good comes from meddling in the gratitude of others. Um, So I've kind of needed the help of someone called... Diana Butler Bass, so she's a theologian and sort of a church historian and a really beautiful writer, Um, but she's got a book called Grateful, The Transforming Power of Giving Thanks, Um, and I've appreciated her help for me in rethinking gratitude. Um, One thing I think she's kind of, a little divide that may be helpful to us is kind of thank, there's gratitude as thanks for something that happens that we feel. Um, and that's yours to feel whenever you've felt it. I don't know when you've felt grateful, but I can't tell you that. That's yours. And the other part of it is a posture that notices the gifts, um, a posture of preparedness. Um, How does she word it? Um, So it's a gift, the feeling we sometimes encounter as a response to gift and awe. Um, And sometimes it's an intentional posture we repeatedly adopt to form our default response to the world. So sometimes it's spontaneous and is awe-inspiring, but sometimes there's a posture of noticing gift and responding to gift that we participate in. Um, and maybe our church Christian tradition has tried in its own fumble, you know, fumbling way to be more of this posture place where we come in hopes of posturing ourselves to notice gift um, but it's so subtle because coercion just leaks in sideways so often. Um, <coughs> Diana says, kind of, gratitude is complicated. So feelings of dependence and interdependence can be both elusive and resisted, mostly because we're caught up in the soul-crushing ideas of obligation and debt. But if m- gratitude is mutual reliance on, instead of payback, of shared gifts, we awaken to a profound awareness of our interdependence. 
So I'll just leave that as a little sort of starting point, thankful framework from Diana. But we're going to dive into a scripture today um, from Luke. Um, would anyone like, it's just woke up feeling, do you know what? I haven't read the Bible in a very long time. I really want to do it. So much. Or they just love, love doing that, reading the words of Jesus today. Then he said to the disciples, that's why I tell you, don't worry about your life and what you are to eat. Don't worry about your body and what you are to wear. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Take a lesson from the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have neither a food cellar nor a barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Can any of you, for all your worrying, at a single hour to your life. If even the smallest things are beyond your control, why worry about all the rest? Notice how the flowers grow. They neither labor nor weave, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was robed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass in the field, which is here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, how much more will God look after you? You have so little faith. As for you, don't set your hearts on what you'll eat or what you'll drink. Stop worrying. All the nations of the world seek these things, yet your Abba God knows what you need. Thank you. Um, this is kind of, it's such a funny verse that's used in so many interesting, interesting ways. Um, but this is this is Jesus talking to his disciples who by following him, uh, entering into a really dangerous place of sort of upsetting the power dynamic, the real, real danger that kind of they have will encounter in the com- coming following Christ and disobeying empire. And and then it just feels a little bit flippant of just chill. Come on, don't worry. Like this kind of, it feels either he's a kind of this hippie presence in the middle of this very complex world that they are trying to learn from him. Um, but I, what I was sort of looking at it again, I sort of um, kind of looks like Jesus is trying to give them a break from anxiety just for a moment, um, a little breather from, from an anxious place by looking at nature, um, <coughs> giving them two images to hold that shifts their gaze from all the things that consume them um, into another gaze for a moment that says there is enough, you are enough and you're incredibly precious. Um, sort of just a, a, ga- a bit of a reprieve from anxiety for a moment. Um, Jesus offers a framework, sort of a path out of their tightly wound world of fear and despair just for a moment um, in, this, in this kind of watching, looking at flowers. And we have such a beautiful church tradition of sort of using nature as a sort of a, a moment of reprieve that there's a message from God in observing something outside of ourselves um, and a message about divine gift that is, is held when we look at notice something outside of ourselves. Um, this, um, what was this? I'm just going to read my notes here. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know about any of you if, if you ever worry or are anxious I feel like that's my default position. Sometimes I'm fine and then sometimes there it is. Um, 
But I don't necessarily benefit from someone just saying, well, don't be anxious. Do you know, like, it does, don't often, that's like, well, you should be grateful. Like, these are kind of very unhelpful things. <laughs> just, I don't know if I would have received Jesus telling me not to be so, you know, to, to worry as a, but I do like the image that he's sort of this idea of, oh, let me give you a break from your anxiety for a moment. Um, and maybe gratitude is a little breather for you um, to see a different perspective. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, what we all sort of, that first framework is that we start by being receivers rather than we start by being managers or doers or act, you know, we act and act and save and how many helping professions are in this room that you're doing so many, there's so many things that we start with but this kind of flip idea that we begin with the idea that we are all receivers first, um, thinking of that first, you know, Corwin's first breath, just a receiver of, he wasn't actively achieving anything, he was receiving the gift of life, you know, in that moment. Um, and that, yeah, so that's sort of the first um, little idea that we'll just start with. Um, I'll just go back. This is from sort of Diana again. The recognition that in effect there are no givers other than the ultimate givers of God or the universe. Those are the only givers that have created an abundance of gift in the universe. And we receive from this gift all the time. They don't put us in debt. Instead, they cause us to recognise the beauty of this abundance. We respond by strengthening the pathways of receiving and then giving, not in obligation, but in love. Um, so, kind of filtering through of sort of this... What, it, what happens when we sort of start by being thinking, oh, what, what am I a recipient to? Um, we're stewards of these gifts rather than kind of owners or restrictors of, of things to others, but we're st- called to be stewards. And none of this can happen out of obligation to God or to anyone. And it's not forced on one another, but it's in recognition and response. We live in response to the deep abundance that our faith points us to and we strengthen the pathways of receiving and giving throughout our life together from a place of deep love. I am... Yeah, don't default myself. I think I feel like... I feel like I partly often need church traditions or sort of helpful things to help my brain because my brain is a wonderful place um, but my brain is a very anxious place to be honest um, I know you can't relate but um, and it's often dominated by worry or I wake up especially with a two-year-old I just wake up as a manager of a human that's all the things at the moment um, and I'm not yeah that, that I need pathways to help me move out of that anxiety or fear sometimes I'm going to play a little clip of Diana um, about Bass in a podcast that she did with Luke Nordsworthy. Um, and I'm just playing it because she just talks for a moment about what happens in the brain, like where gratitude lives in the brain. Um, and I'm not an expert, so I, I thought I'd share her research. Um, and what I find interesting is just this kind of interplay of things, why gratitude feels important and perhaps why... In Jesus, like Jesus is pointing to this kind of reprieve from fear and worry. There feels like this this gift 
in us rethinking and practicing and practicing different ways of processing our lives. So it's just a three-minute clip or four-minute clip um, of Diana talking to Luke, explaining why she was sort of drawn to some of the work of gratitude and understanding it a little bit more. Human beings, that's the part of our brain that is least evolved. It's the most ancient part of our brain. Mm -hmm. And the, the front part of our brain is called the neocortex and that, and I'm not a brain scientist, but boy, did I do a lot of reading in brain science for this book. Um, in the neocortex, that's the more, that's the newer part of our brain. It's the most evolved part of our brain. And that's where complex human emotions reside. Things like compassion and empathy and gratitude. And so what neuroscientists have discovered is that, um, if you act out of fear, if you, if you let the primal part of the brain move forward, if you let those really primal emotions move into your neocortex, um, you, you, they take over your neocortex. And mm. so the scary primal emotions take over the higher thinking place. Yeah. But if you have built certain kinds of practices in your neocortex, Practices around gratitude, practices around acting with compassion, practices of love, practices of inclusion, all those kinds of things. If those practices are in the front part of your brain, when those bits of your brain are fired, the fear can't get up there. And so gratitude and compassion actually keep fear in the back part of your brain. They keep it in your primal brain so that it can't take over your whole your whole head. And so, so when I was writing Grateful, I was actually thinking about many of the people in institutions, political institutions, religious institutions, uh, jobs that I know that are disappearing, like publishing and journalism. I am surrounded by, by people who are afraid all the time, whether they're yeah. write, writers or, or um, journalists, pastors, yeah. pastors teachers, college professors, everybody's afraid all the time. And so, so the part of the question for me in writing about gratitude was, okay, if gratitude really does drive out fear, how do we get there? How do we, how do we strengthen practices of gratefulness? And if we really did that, if we really truly experienced gratefulness at a profound level as individuals, could we take that experience as individuals and multiply it into our communities and thus create pathways of gratitude in our institutions and in our communal lives where we, we, we could function out of not fear, uh, but instead out of reflective, compassionate action? Yeah. Uh, so the, so this question about religious institutions and their future is key good, Dan, to probably... the birth of writing a book about okay. gratitude. Yep. Well, unfortunately, um, to kind of as I say, better better saying that than I. The kind of the bit that I took from that is just sort of that interesting part of just what's what dominates our thinking. Um, and I know Jesus didn't have a working understanding of you know the brain pathways um, from his worldview, but just this kind of quiet gift in this, oh, there's in, in this place of recognition of gift, whatever that may be, is just a reprieve for a different way of being in the world. Um, 
and yeah, and I guess a little, sorry, I haven't let anyone speak, but a little side note of um, I think so important, I think I've, sa- I've said it already, but just the gift is what it is. It's not, I can't tell you what it is. Um, great kind of Christian traditions have pointed to truths. I think that's a lovely part of tradition is that we try and point to the great truths of our existence. And that might just be the gift of our life, of our, that today we, we are breathing and we are here the gift of the light that we woke up to that I did not have any part in playing um, and I'm grateful for for that. It, it, can, it can be anything. It's kind of, I find the joy of kind of creative observation of gratitude rather than I should be grateful for this, I should be grateful for my job, I should be grateful for, like there's kind of that, sh- it kind of ruins it, the sort of the creativity of oh, I'm grateful for the the light that we currently are able to see each other in kind of ends up affecting my body a bit more than my list of I should be grateful for these really obvious blessings in my life. That doesn't, well, it doesn't appeal to me as much. I'm not sure about you. So I guess the kind of the question we have of we come from a beautiful tradition that has founded positions or dispositions around thankfulness in sort of, especially if you're in a a Jewish Orthodox community, which I have many around where I live, gratitude is woven all through your day as spoken prayers, as practices, as candles, as as before your food. It is woven into every single part of the day in communal expression. That's a very dominant part. Um, And in other faith traditions, kind of structured positioning around trying to observe these gifts um, uh, happen. And in your your world, I'm sure there are things that you do or have at some point done that attempt, so I think we can always say attempt to notice because it can't coerce you into feeling anything. Um, our, our beautiful church tradition of singing, um, the beautiful and the less ideal of sort of coercive theology dealt in song. Um, there's all sorts of things, but there is a practice and we took that for, I know Amanda was sharing just how much we enjoy this time of song um, and what is it actually doing for us. Um, perhaps it's linking us to that idea that Diana was sharing of moving us away from our fear and angst that we come into the room with just for a moment, um, trying to see something other than ourselves, recognising the gift that we did not earn but we but is coming in abundance that God never is in lack of offering. Um, And I like that we try and write our own songs here because just singing of another person's gratitude can feel really empty sometimes of, just reading some Psalms of Thanksgiving, Um, you know, acclaim God with all the earth, serve serve Yahweh with gladness, enter God's presence with a joyful song. Like we could put this into a song, Josh, know that Yahweh is God, Yahweh made us, we belong to the creator, we are God's people. Sometimes just singing that stuff just you know, I'm like, good for you. It just doesn't actually connect to me as the God that we are wrestling with um, because gratitude kind of, we're, yeah, we're so kind of held captive to that certain type of gratitude to God that looks a certain way. But sometimes gratitude looks horizontal. I'm grateful for you and you and you and I'm grateful for this build. Like, it sort of looks more interesting and creative, um, I think, than... I'm sorry to the psalmist, I'm not saying your psalm is not creative. (laughs) 
smite, where's the lightning that's about to strike me? But does it say we are singing of another person's gratitude song? Um, and sometimes that's meaningful and sometimes that doesn't necessarily connect. Um, so I guess our little thoughts that we can think of what gratitude practices, what way do we position ourselves to notice that which is around us? Um, and I, um, yeah, two things. We've um, grew up with, I don't know if you had someone in your family say grace over a meal. I really, I don't know if I loved it as a kid. My dad would say it. Um, and it was sort of just what we did. Um, and it was always him. <laughs> it was just part of what we did. Um, and it's not something that we, George and I, had adopted um, until kind of lately. It's just, uh, this word reprieve continues to come to me. But we sometimes, when we have a time when we're all sitting down, we'll just say a little word of thanks of what we're grateful for. Um, and it's not... <laughs> It's just good for me. I just find it just, even if it's just a slowing down before I consume my meal because I'm hungry, like just that, these intentional, I'm doing something to just slow something down to try and notice something um, is good for my, it feels good for my brain um, and it's good for my soul. Um, and I hope Annika can pick up on this kind of acknowledging, not sort of a superficial, oh my gosh, we're so blessed, but kind of a bit more, oh, there's there's life and gift happening, swirling all around us, and our job is to be people that see it. Um, I have another practice that it's not, sound, practice makes it sound so oh so holy, and it is oh so less than holy. But in the morning, um, I... Annick is a real grump in the morning and once food is, like we have, and our mornings often begin early. So there's a long time before the first thing of the day, we've woken up at what, quarter to six, and the first thing doesn't happen till 10. That's a long time with just a small person in a house. Um, so we've got this practice of, um, we practice, we, we, we just walk down to the shop to get me coffee, really is what it is. And it's, with a toddler, it's a very long and slow, slow walk. Um, and we just look at every single little thing and we notice these certain flowers. The flowers recently were cut down. This kind of, I sort of say it like this, that it's, it's kind of doing me good in a kind of reluctant way because I really just want my coffee. Um, but we had recently, oh, actually probably two or three months ago, we have this, these hedges and someone on someone's property that they just hacked at and it looks like it's dead. So these hedges just, and I sort of have just been quietly sad about that. Where does this live in my world? Here, in a place where I'm sharing it with you. Just quietly sad that this hedge was hacked so far back that it had died. Um, and now Annika calls it, oh, the sticks. We're going to walk past the sticks. And so she would say that every morning, oh, we're walking past the sticks. And I was you know, I was like, oh, it's a bit sad. Um, and then, you know, in a very sweet little, um, I don't know if, Dan, you might be able to help me. I'm not very good at this, changing it. Dan, can I get you to flick on to the next? Um, maybe jump two forward if you can. Uh, one more. Um, <laughs> there's our six. Um, but... Yeah, she kind of was like, Mum, it's green. And I was like, you know, too busy thinking about my coffee. Um, and, and obviously she's at the right height to just notice that you can't quite see, but all along this sticks are these tiny little... It's been, it's been a months of nothing, um, have these tiny little shoots of green of just... 
I, I, was, I was a non-believer that this could be redeemed. Um, and she's, I, and I just sort of kind of, I was thinking about me and my lack of gratitude practices. But just kind of this, this is a bit more of a recognition practice of just going, oh, new life is coming and my morning is slow enough by force, just by nature, to notice that there is just something I didn't have any control over, but just growth and change occurring. Um, and perhaps in similar fashion to sort of Jesus referring to kind of why are you worried? You know, this kind of just a little reprieve in nature that there is a small message here. Um, Parker Palmer talks about it with soft eyes. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the term soft eyes. It's kind of this, he would say, it's, a, um, it, it's what happens when we gaze on sacred reality. Our eyes are open and receptive, able to take in the greatness of the world and the grace of great things. Eyes wide with wonder, we no longer need to resist or run or be taken by surprise or fear. We can open ourselves up to the great mystery. Um, yeah, and I guess our practices, we try and come here with soft eyes um, rather than fear and hopefully it's a safe enough place to do that. Um, perhaps we sing um, songs that are meaningful for us to give us this moment of gratitude and recognition of the gift um, uh, we, we come, we show up, we just come and spend time together. That's a practice of recognition of the gift of one another. We recall stories, we acknowledge country. That's a gratitude practice where we are slowly, kind of we just do it and do it and do it and, and over time it changes and forms our being of we may recognise the land in a different way. And it just happened because we did it and did it and did it and we, we've never fa- we try and remember to do it again and again. Um, anyone else have any sort of noticing practices that are starting to form them just by the nature of, of trying to change our brains a little bit? Just in the last month or so, I've started writing a gratitude journal and I write like three things that I'm grateful for. And I've noticed that, like, when I'm going about my day, I'm, like, doing things and I'm, like, mm, what am I going to write tonight in my gratitude journal? But it's, like, a practice of being, like, oh, I'm actually noticing being grateful for things, like, because I have that, like, knowing that ahead of time, like, I'm going to be writing it down. So, yeah. I think this has a lot of overlap with just mindfulness in general, in a more spiritual sense maybe. Um, I've had a really tough year myself, which is why I've started coming here, and it's cool so far. It's my second time. Um, And I guess this year I've had a lot of times where I've just felt consistently bad. So anytime I actually just feel good, like spontaneously how you were talking about, I actually just stop and notice it and just say to myself, I feel good right now. So that if I feel a bit bad later, I just remember that I actually stopped and noticed and acknowledge that I did feel good. It's that simple. Thank you for sharing that. That's that's big in simplicity. Um, thanks for the reminder about this gratitude and um, because during COVID I started a gratitude journal and, you know, guess what? I don't do it anymore. Um, 
But I did, when I was doing it, I was also, and still do, go down to the Yarra to swim. And so over that year, I am noticing the path, the Yarra, the water, the cleanliness, the rubbish, like so much, which I was never open to before. And then, um, and it would put me in a mindset to be very um, grateful for lots of things which I would write down. So I'm going to go back to <laughs> to the practice of being grateful because I did. It it act, it was very um, it was very helpful. Yeah, I think what surprised me of just these kind of great truths that that are kind of complicated by many things, but then they come back to being good, you know, and in on of themselves. Um, anybody else? Or? Oh, yeah, Matt. I'm just realising that, um, like, I've got a lot of things, that, a lot of complex things that are happening that are quite destabilising for me. And so my experience of life is that there's always a burden. And so when I have a break, my break is spent trying to relax and recover. So it's always trying to get resources to float back up to neutral. But the hope of having joy or fun or pleasure or anything like that is just not, it's just out of reach. Just just nothing would be good, like just getting back up to zero. And I've just come back from a holiday, which should be great, but my whole holiday has been, again, trying to just float back up to zero. Um, and if, if it was left to my own feelings, do I feel like doing something fun? No, I'm too tired. Um, so it's like, okay, one day when I get rid of this burden, I'll then be able to have access to joy. That's, that's how I'm sort of thinking it. But what you've shared today is just, as you said, reminded like of a simple truth that there is a way to actually do something, even if you don't feel like it, to free you from the, the, you know, the reptilian mind at the back of your brain that's trying to push the burden on you um, and be yeah, grateful for something. Or like I, I love singing, but I... I I don't actually ever pay attention to the words. Sorry, Josh. Um, love your songs, but um, I, I've never paid attention to words, but I actually love singing. So, um, like, just today it was great to sing. And that's a simple pleasure that, even though there's burden, that just came out of nowhere. So it's like pleasure can exist separate to your burdens. It can float, like, on its own. Um, so why don't I give myself permission to do some things like you've suggested? So... So, thank you. I, I feel like I, I'd like to adopt some practices that, that um, I don't know if I can commit to a gratitude journal yet, but uh, but I'd like to do that just to relieve the burden because otherwise it's a never-ending slog that will not, you know, get above zero. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing that, man. Um, oh, hello. <laughs> um, I've been working for some time with like opening to every moment as it is. Um, and someone read a poem for me some time ago to do with that and it came with an image of, you know, the, the painting of Liberty leading the brave. Do you know this painting? Oh, um, there's a woman and she sort of represents Liberty and I'll do a... She looks like you. <laughs> and she's leading like um, troops behind her. Um, and that kind of in relation to life, if that makes sense. So 
that sort of attitude to the whole um, gamut of life that happens, like dark and shade and good and um, good and bad. Um, and so, yeah, in my best, in my very best moments, I found that I've been able to, if I can open to the moment a little bit, um, then I can just feel this gratefulness for whatever it is, even if it is not a good state, like even if it is a difficult state. Um, I just, it's just, it's just lovely. I feel this, um, just, it's like liberty leading the brave. It's like, yes, this is life. Like this, this is what life is, good and bad. And somehow, yeah, in, in the best moments, there's this gratefulness, sorry, there's this gratefulness for whatever, whatever it is, because it's life. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, it's life. Kind of sometimes it simmers down to something mysterious in that. It, it's life in that live, yeah. Thank you, Karen. Um, yeah, I find it just so, it's, as I say, it's kind of interesting, especially the kind of relationship of gratitude to pain and hardship um, and injustice and all of the kind of doesn't negate it. There's like practices in communal life that we hopefully continue to adopt, practices of lament, practices of justice, practices of activism that are alongside our practices of gratitude. They kind of almost need all each other, um, but the gratitude gives us, we've got gifts come, we are recipient of gifts, gifts continue, I'm a giver of the gift that I received. And then gifts are received, kind of this flow, this kind of simplifying statement that we kind of keep on coming back to that <clears throat> it can be really simple, it can be really complex, but um, hopefully there's life living somewhere in the simplicity. Um, and yeah, I like that next week is Percy's baptism as well of this kind of gratitude of, of sort of recognition of our faith that expresses itself in the form of a baptism, but our gratitude where we get to turn our eyes on our beloved community member and say we are grateful for you and for your gift and you change us and we are forever changed for the, the better because of your presence in our midst. This To have an, something where we can acknowledge that for the one and in return we are gifted by it. Like this kind of, there's a deep thanks in a baptism um, which I find really, <laughs> we haven't had a baptism here for ever. <laughs> so it's so lovely that it's just this this sacrament or this practice that we can do of of recognition of someone's relationship to God in their life and we in turn can receive that and um, celebrate that. I think that's another one of our many interesting places we find gratitude in our midst. Um, we might finish talking a bit there, um, but yeah, I hope that... Um, yeah, this is just not a should go and be more grateful. Who's going to write a gratitude journal by next week? None of that in the slightest. Um, sometimes a gratitude journal lasts for two weeks, but it can be helpful for those. Two. It's just us trying to find life-giving paths of receiving and then returning because gift is not... I don't have to gift it, but I choose to gift it out of love. So another practice that we do is communion here. Um, 
We do it weekly. Um, again, you might not always feel it and feel inspired by it, but we do it again and again um, to acknowledge an abundant table at our, in our midst um, and to acknowledge that, you know, a, Jesus is never far um, and Jesus stood to bring life um, to everyone and this table only in, gets more and more inclusive. Um, sometimes it nourishes us, sometimes it convicts us. Um, but we're going to practice that again today. You're more than welcome to join in communion. You're more than welcome to come and take a cracker and um, a, a small cup and we'll gather in a large circle or you're welcome to just gather in a large circle or stay seated um, before we have our communion together and then I'll say a small prayer. Let's. So we come together before an inclusive table that represents something abundant, a gift that is given without obligation or debt to any of us, um, that we respond as we can and as we choose. Um, but we are thankful that we together gather around this table. Um, let's eat and drink in remembrance of Christ. So may you go with soft eyes and open hearts, able to see the gifts, many, many gifts that surround you. And may this give you a moment of reprieve from worry. May we come together and practice once again the art of recognition, of receiving the life before us, of this abundant, ever-inclusive table that restores and strengthens us again and again. Amen. Amen.